Spirit this morning, the power of the Spirit. Uh, probably 60 years ago, 50 years ago, it would have been very surprising for me to speak on something like the Holy Spirit because I grew up in a church that was a fantastic church, but it was very anti-Pentecostal <laughs> uh, in, in its understanding. And we thought that people that were more into the Spirit were kind of a bit weird, a bit unusual, proves that that was true but anyway but uh, no it's not and uh and so we were and so there was quite an anti-feel towards anything Pentecostal. I st- when I uh, first went into ministry I went into Kenmore and and there I began to found for the first time people that were absolutely beautiful spiritual Christians that were also charismatic and this sort of blew my picture of things and so I g- began to become much more open to what the Holy Spirit might say or do and and I remember uh, we were with some friends up at Nambour. I was on holidays and, uh, and Deb was with me. And we were with these friends and we went to uh, COC um, up in Nambour, which was a very, still a big church, but it was a very big church in, in those days, about 3,000 people, uh, very charismatic. And it was a bit unusual for like a little Baptist pastor to sneak into the, into the service. So we were there early and with our friends and the pastor, the senior pastor of this big church, uh, uh, walk, walk, walked by and, uh, and our friends who were really into having a good time said, oh, come over here, come over here. And I said, I want to introduce you to a Baptist pastor. And he said, oh, hello, you know, and walked off. Anyway, at the end of the service, uh, it was a very significant service, this service, because he was announcing that he was leaving this role as senior pastor and moving to heading up the COC uh, completely. So, uh, is it 3C now? Whatever it's called now, I can't remember. They keep changing names. But uh, uh, so it was, uh, it was, he was doing his ministry time at the end. He'd preached and, you know, calling people forward and some people were being prayed for and falling on the ground and things like that, you know. And I was watching with interest as a little Baptist pastor, seeing what was going on, feeling a little bit out of place. And then he looked up, out of 3,000 people, he says, where's that Baptist pastor? <laughs> He says, come down here, come down here. Now, I won't tell you what happened, all right? So you'll have to ask me later. But uh, (laughs) I was thinking about that this this week and just thought, boy, how things have changed, haven't they, you know? So here I am this morning. I want to speak about, particularly about the power uh, of the Holy Spirit. And what I thought I'd do is just go back to when the Spirit first came. I mean, the Spirit was around, of course, right in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But when the Spirit first came on everyone, everyone who was a follower of Jesus, Uh, the Spirit came on them. And I want to look at that event and explore it a little bit to say, what does it say? What does the Spirit do for us? Now, there's many, many things, but there's three things here in this this, uh, passage that the Spirit does for us, and I want to emphasize those this morning. Let me give you a little bit of background, though, first. Um, It was 50 days after the Passover. So the Jews had some big celebrations where everyone came together to party and to seek God bringing those two things together. And that had the Passover, which when Jesus had been crucified, all right? So that had the Passover. Uh, Jesus was crucified. He rose again. He stayed around for a few weeks. And then he went back to to heaven. Uh, And so 50 days after, penny just means 50. So 50 days after the Passover, they had another big celebration. It was the Feast of Pentecost. It was celebrating the giving of the law and it was celebrating the end of the grain harvest. And, and so people would pack into Jerusalem. Thousands of people would, would pack into Jerusalem for this big feast, this big party that they had 
together. And out of all of those thousands and thousands of people, there was a small group of Jesus followers. They were hidden away. They weren't making a big scene of themselves because they were quite embarrassed, perhaps. They were quite frightened about what would happen to them. And so they were kind of hidden away. But they were there waiting in Jerusalem because Jesus had said a couple of things just before he went back to heaven. He said these two things, and I think they'll be up there on the, on the screen as well. Um, he said, uh, wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Uh, in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Spirit. And then he said, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So Jesus said, wait, wait around in Jerusalem because something's going to happen. I'm going to send this, Father's going to send the Spirit and it's going to radically change your life. You'll be empowered in incredible ways. And so here was this little group of 120 people gathering together, singing some psalms as they used to sing in their Jewish worship and praying and waiting. And I guess as the Feast of Pentecost came closer, I have a feeling that they probably thought, that's going to be the day <laughs> that the Spirit is going to come. And that's what happened. So let's have a little look. Uh, so as they, oh, sorry, as they were waiting there, the 120 of them, uh, on the world states, this was a very insignificant group of people, right? Just 120 on the back blocks of the Roman Empire. Uh, but in God's economy, this was going to be an incredible world-changing event. Uh, so let's have a look at uh, Acts 2, 1 to 4, and I'll just read it, and then we'll talk about it uh, together. When the day of Pentecost came, so the day of the feast came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. So as the Spirit came, there were some signs, and I've highlighted them up there just to make them very clear. There were three signs that were associated with the coming of the Spirit. One was this violent wind or sound like a violent wind. One was tongues of fire. And the third one was they spoke in other languages. Now, those signs are significant. It's like weddings, isn't it? Uh, on my finger is a wedding ring uh, that uh, Deb gave me. Actually, she didn't give me this one. I lost that one in the surf. But, but she gave me one very much like that uh, when we were married. And it was a very significant part of the wedding ceremony. Quite a few years ago when I was pastoring here, uh, I got the privilege of marrying our next-door neighbours. Uh, they'd been living together for quite some time. They were both divorced. They were about our age. And as we talked to them, uh, I talked about them getting married. She was keen. He wasn't so keen. But eventually they decided they were going to get married. And they asked me to take the wedding, which was just a huge privilege and very exciting. So here I was in, uh, up at North Pine uh, in a the little chapel there. And uh, I was taking this wedding. I was so excited because the place was packed with people that didn't know Jesus, you know, not yet Christians. And, uh, and so I... We went through the vows, and then I was so excited. I prayed, laid hands on them, and prayed for them. And uh, and then we went and went and sat at the table at the back there to sign all the papers. And I remember sitting there. I can still remember. And Jan was sitting there, and uh, I said, "If you just sign there." And she looked up to up at me, and she said, 
what about the rings? <laughs> I had completely forgotten. I was so excited, I completely forgot that whole part of the ceremony. <laughs> I thought, what do I do now? <laughs> so I said, stop everything. <laughs> we got back up. I did the ring bit. <laughs> then we went back and, and, and signed the register. I'm taking a wedding in a few weeks. That gives you a lot of confidence, doesn't it? Huh? <laughs> but the thing is, the ring is not a random symbol, right? And as we say in weddings, uh, or I say in weddings anyway, there's two things at least about the ring. One is the, the circle, the unending circle represents the unending nature of the vows that you're making and the quality of the ring, uh, the expense of the rings talks about the quality of what's involved in, the, in this marriage. So it's a, a significant symbol. And it's the same here that I presume that these symbols are significant. It's not just God saying, well, I'm going to send the Spirit. What will I do this time? Yeah, a bit of fire would be good, wouldn't it? That would be pretty impressive. It's not that at all. These are very significant symbols of what the coming of the Spirit means. So let's have a look at these symbols and uh, see what we can draw out and see what we can understand what difference it made for this group of 120 and the difference that it makes for this group today and for those online as well. Uh, what difference does the Spirit make uh, in our lives? All right, so the first one is a sound like a violent wind. When the day of Pentecost came, verse 1, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and fill the whole house where they were sitting. It's interesting in the Bible that often the big moves of God are associated with very loud noises. Uh, the giving of the law on Mount Sinai, there was a huge thunder and lightning, and then this blast, this trumpet blast, which is probably the loudest sound that they knew, someone blowing the trumpet, you know. So this huge trumpet blast. And it says when Jesus comes again, it'll be associated, 1 Thessalonians 4, it'll be associated with a trumpet blast as well. So often there's loud noises, but this time the noise is not a trumpet blast, but this huge wind uh, that comes. I've, uh, I've heard a wind like that. When I was uh, teaching, I was teaching up at Rockhampton, and we had a, a teacher's conference over at Keppel Island. And one guy in the staff room uh, said, John, he did a lot of sailing, and he said, John, would you like to sail across with me to the Keppel Island for the teacher's conference? And I said, yeah, because I'd never been sailing in my life. I said, that'd be fantastic, Swanee. So Friday afternoon, it was middle of winter, we went down to, Ke uh, to uh, Yapoon, launched the catamaran in, and, uh, and, and gradually, and you know, I was dressed, I had my bikey jacket on, do you know what I mean, because it was really cold and all the rest. So excited about this opportunity to sail across the Keppel. And so we put the uh, boat, the cattle in the water, pushed it out a bit, and there was just no wind at all. You know, like we just sat there. We drifted out probably 100 metres or so. And one stage he said to me, uh, John, would you just mind paddling a little bit? <laughs> That's a long way to go. <laughs> So it, was, uh, so it started to get dark, you know, and, uh, and I was praying, of course, all the time. Oh, God, just send a wind, just some wind that we can, we can sail across. Please, please, please. But no wind came at all. And uh, so he, it was getting dark and he said, um, well, we'll just have to take it back in and go across on the barge and the, uh, on the ferry tomorrow morning. And I was so disappointed. And we're just drifting in and this little wind came up. Do you know what I mean? Just a slight breeze. And he looked at me, he could see how disappointed I was, and he said, uh, he said, oh, well, do you want to give it a go? You know, he said, it'll take us, with this breeze, like, it'll take us 10 hours to get across there. 
And I said, oh, look, I'd love to do it. Could you? Is that all right? And he said, all right, all right. So he turned it around and we, we started to sort of move gently. Across. He lined up some stars, you know, because it was dark now. Lined up the stars where Keppel Island was and, and we headed off. And we got, we're going about, oh, I guess, a quarter of an hour, 20 minutes or so. And suddenly I heard this sound of this violent wind. This huge wind came across the land and just picked up the boat and we were off. And when I say we were off, I don't know if you've seen it on TV, but, you know, people sailing cats, but that was us. Like, it was pitch black, it was freezing cold, the waves were huge. The boat, I, he just told me to grab the little sail, whatever that one's called, do you know what I mean? So I held the little sail, he held the big sail and the rudder thing. And like we were leaning, like, you know, we were right like this. He was just flying across. And I said to God, I said, I did ask for a wind, <laughs> but not this one. <laughs> it was middle of winter. We couldn't turn around, do you know what I mean? Because the wind was so strong, it would have just tipped us straight over. So. Anyway, I'm alive today, so uh, obviously we made it across. Uh, he showed me his hands the next morning and they were cut to bits because uh, it just been been so powerful. You know, he didn't say a thing all the way. That scared me because he was an experienced sailor and he didn't say anything. He just said, hold on to that rough sail. And that, that was all he said for half, the half an hour it took us to get across there. Like, whoosh, we just went straight across. Anyway, all I'm saying is that's the kind of wind we're talking about here. This huge wind comes on this group of people uh, as the Spirit uh, comes on them. Well, what's the significance of this wind. Well, the word in, in Hebrew and also in Greek, languages the Bible was written in, it's interesting that the words are the, it's, it's the same. The word for wind is also the word for breath, is also the word for spirit. So what's happening here is God's breathing. God's breathing uh, on these people. <laughs> the wind, the spirit yeah, is coming on them. When is God in the Bible breathed? Can you think of a time when God's breathed? Right at the beginning in creation, God breathed. Uh, it says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So what happens is, what, what's happening here is that God is breathing new life. He's enlivening things uh, for these people one of the things the early charismatics did get wrong they get a lot right but one of the things they did get wrong is they tended to see the spirit as being an ex another thing on top of what they had and that's not what the bible says the bible says is that what our christianity is based on is what jesus has done and what the role of the spirit is and what he's done through his death and through his resurrection for us and what the role of the Spirit is to make that come alive for us. You know, so it's there. So for these disciples, it was there in theory. Jesus had died, he'd risen again. They knew what that meant now. But there was still no power. There was still no life. There was still no great overwhelming reality in it for them. And the breathing, the breath of God, breathing the spiritual life into them was making what was already true for them, that Jesus had died and he'd risen again for them. He, what was already true for them, it was making this come alive so they experienced it as well as just understood it. And so that's what's happening. So the life of God, all that Jesus has promised. Jesus has said, I am come that you might have life and have it to the full. Like I've come that you'll have this incredibly full life. 
a life of freedom, a life of hope, a life of purpose, a life of direction, a life of lived in relationship with God, dependence on God, a life of security, all of these things that was there in theory for them because they knew what Jesus had done for them. But now it became alive for them. It became real for them uh, in their spiritual lives. That Now they knew what this was about because they could sense it, they could feel it, they could see it, they could experience it. And so what happened is God's breathing the Spirit onto them to make what is already true come alive for them. All that Jesus had is now theirs. All that Jesus experienced is now theirs uh, through the Holy Spirit. It's a violent wind, right? So this is not some gentle breeze. Well, this is nice, isn't it? It's a a violent wind. It's a hard, it's a blowing hard, do you know what I mean? And it's transforming their lives. So these people that are hidden away, Embarrassed, perhaps, worried, perhaps, concerned about what's going to happen from now on, and they don't have the strength to do and anything. Suddenly became alive. They realized who they were in, in, in Jesus and what Jesus had done for them, and it was so real for them and just transformed their lives. And so, one of the things the Spirit does is He comes and enlivens us, He makes the life of Jesus a reality in our lives. This is most obvious, I think, when people become Christians particularly if they come from a background where they've been a long way away from Jesus and they become Christians. One of the ladies in my Alpha group was saying she became a Christian early on at the start of this year and she was just describing what that was like for her. Do you know what I mean? Like the the transformation for her in her life as the Holy Spirit fills her and helps us experience all that that Jesus has done for her. And, uh, And so the Holy Spirit brings life. Now, that life needs to keep on being renewed and keeps on growing. And those of you that have been Christians for a fair while will know that there's ups and downs in that life. Uh, But that's what the role of the Spirit is, to make it come alive for us, to make it real for us. So it's not just something we we know about and we experience on a Sunday, but something that transforms our lives, that we are living this life to the full. That's the work of the Spirit. That's not our work. That's the work of the Spirit in us. Does that make sense? All right, so that's the first thing. The the Holy Spirit uh, brings life to us. The second thing was the tongues of fire. Uh, what seemed to be, let me just read it. Uh, they saw what seemed to be, verse 3, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Uh, again, we've got to go back into Scripture to know what fire means. What, what's fire about? Let me tell you a couple of stories from the Bible about fire. Uh, one was the story of Moses. Moses had messed things up, uh, thought God had finished with him, and suddenly he was, he was out shepherding, he was in this desert place, and there was this bush that was burning. Uh, but the strange thing was that it just didn't stop, it just kept on going. <laughs> and he watched it for ages and ages, and finally went over to investigate what was going on, and a voice from the bush, right, a burning bush, fire, a voice from the bush said, take your shoes off, this is a holy place. Now, this is God, this is holy. This is a, a separate place. This is God's presence uh, is here in this place. Another story, um, in Isaiah 6, uh, Isaiah is sensing that God's calling him to something and he just feels so inadequate and so unworthy and thinking, God, how could I do anything for you? I'm so broken. I'm so sinful. And, uh, and an angel comes. This is a vision he's had. An angel comes with a burning ember, right? Fire. And this fire comes and touches his lips. 
and sets him free. He realizes that he's pure and that he's clean and he's right because that's what God has made him. <laughs> he, doesn't feel he doesn't feel adequate in himself, but through the fire touching his life, it purifies and cleans him and makes him understand what he has uh, in his relationship with God. So fire represents the, the holiness of God, the, the purity of God, the, the differentness. Holiness just means God's different. He's separate uh, from us. His goodness. Fire, of course, uh, can be a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, we've just recently been on a farm stay holiday with the family and they had a huge big fire pit there. And uh, that it was fantastic. Do you know what I mean? You gather around the fire pit at night and you start the fire. I needed a Moses bush though. It cost me $35 of wood for just one night of this fire pit. We only did it for two nights. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, you know, we'd sit around and it was just beautiful. Do you know what I mean? The atmosphere, watching the flames, feeling the warmth. It's quite cold outside, feeling the warmth. Like it was just beautiful. Fire can be beautiful. But we also had to put the fire out every night because if a, a, something from that fire got onto the grass and started a bushfire, it would cause devastating damage for the, for the whole region. So fire can be really good and really bad. It can be both, and it's the same with the fire, the purity, the cleanness, the rightness of God. If God's fire, if God's holiness and purity touches someone who is not right with him, then it messes things up, it burns them up. That's why the hell is often talked about in the Bible as, as a fire, <laughs> you know? It's the holiness of God touching person who is broken and not right with him. On the other hand, when the fire touches people that are belong to God as it did for Isaiah then what it does is it burns away the rubbish and and makes you understand that you are right and that you are clean and that you're pure not because there's anything in you because of what Jesus has done remember the spirit is just bringing alive to us what Jesus has done uh, but because of what Jesus has done this is the way we are this is the way God sees us and the fire makes us clean and right and that's what's happening here this fire is coming the spirit is coming and making alive to them what it is that they have in their relationship with God, that they're right, that they're clean, that they're beautiful, that they ha can have this intimate relationship with a, a holy God. And they know that because of what Jesus has done, but the Spirit makes it alive in them, helps them to love what's good and what's right and what's beautiful, uh, helps them see who they are as the, as the, as the children of God. Uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit makes us see that we are clean and pure. And of course, Satan's constantly accusing us and constantly telling us we're, we're not good enough and we never will be good enough and, and, and we're not clean enough, uh, we're not right enough and God won't use us. And the Spirit comes and makes us alive, the purity and the cleanness and the rightness and the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. So the, Spirit of, the Holy Spirit brings holiness. He makes us alive to the holiness that we have in our relationship with Jesus. I'm going to talk a bit more about this at camp uh, uh, next week as we talk about living close to the heart of God. Now, of course, the battle, so the Spirit brings holiness. Of course, the battle with sin is an ongoing uh, battle for us and we need to constantly come back to God and, and ask for forgiveness. But it's the Spirit's job in us, His work in us, to help us to realise that we are holy people and then to change our hearts and our attitudes so that we actually love what God loves. We love the good stuff. We love the right stuff. And more and more of the stuff that's trying to bombard us from the world, we recognise that's just not good stuff. That's not 
good for me. It's not good for anyone. And it helps us to see with God's eyes what is pure and what is good and what is right. Uh, that's what the work of the Spirit is. I remember um, a few years ago, uh, uh, Amy was baptised here one Sunday night. I had the privilege, uh, Amy had come from a pretty tough background where uh, a lot of brokenness and a lot of failure and all that sort of stuff. And she came here for a while on Sunday nights and became a Christian and she asked me if I'd be involved in baptising her and a uh, huge privilege, do you know what I mean? And, uh, and I can still remember in the baptistry over here and... Uh, as she came up out of the water that night, it was a big yah, 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 do you know what I mean? But I could see in her eyes this, this girl that uh, had just found a freedom and a cleanness and a purity and a fresh start, you know? You could just, you could just tell her that's what the Spirit wants to do in your life, to, to make this true for you, that this is right, this is who you are, a child of God. So as the burning flames fell on these disciples, as the Spirit came uh, into them, uh, they were purified and cleaned and recognized what they had through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So that's the second one. Got the first one? Holy Spirit brings life, the real life of God uh, to us and makes it alive in us. The Holy Spirit brings holiness. And then the third one's the tongues one. Some of you have been waiting for this one. You think, what on earth are you going to do with that one? All right. So, uh, so what happened was, just to give you the background, so these people like, you know, now they've got the life the life of God's been enlivened in them. The purity of God and their relationship with God's been enlivened in them. Like they, you can't keep them in their room any longer. Like they're just busting out the doors. They just got to tell someone like what this is. Like this is fantastic. You know, before they were there huddled praying, which is very nice too. But now you can't stop them. <laughs> they're out telling people about about Jesus and what He's done. And and as they speak to people, everyone hears them in their own language. You know, so they're speaking. Some are speaking perfect Ethiopian and some are speaking Egyptian, you know, like, like they're speaking in the languages of the people that they're, that they're talking to, which is absolutely incredible because they don't know any of those languages. They're just speaking in those languages. So that's what, that's what happened here. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, some people, I said, people had to hear in their own language, but that's not actually true because people actually responded at Pentecost not to these people speaking in other languages. They responded to Peter's sermon. And when Peter preached, and he would have preached in the trade language that everyone knew. Right? So they had a common language. It was Greek. So Peter would have preached in Greek, and then 3,000 people responded uh, on that day. So it wasn't that it was absolutely necessary. So what was going on here? What was this sign of the Spirit, the, the speaking in, ability to speak in, in other languages? Well, there's a couple of possibilities. Um, one is that it would just get everyone's attention. You see, these people were just about all Galileans. Galilee had been the place where Jesus had grown up and most of his followers came from Galilee. Now, Galilee had a kind of reputation. It was kind of outback. It was like, you know, Queenslanders have with Melburnians, do you know what I mean? That kind of reputation, you know, a bit simple, you know, a bit slow speaking, eh, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that was what the Galileans were like, you know. They had that kind of a, a reputation. So, just, you know, they spoke with a drawl and, and all the rest. So, very surprising. It must have shocked people to see these Galileans come out and they're speaking perfect Egyptian. Like, what? They can't even speak their own language, let alone Egyptian, you know. So, so it's a surprising thing. And that might be God surprising people. 
Another possibility, and this is the one, I really like this one, whether it's true or not, I'm not sure, but, but I really like this one, is up till now, the Jesus thing has been a Jewish thing, right? All the followers of Jesus have been Jews. And the Jews were quite separate as a, as a religion and as a nation, you know, they wouldn't eat with someone who wasn't a Jew. So, so they were quite separate. And it would be easy for people to think, as God started to work, that, that this was a Jewish thing. And, uh, and you know, the, the religious language for the Jews was Hebrew, you know, so God spoke Hebrew. <laughs> and it could be that God's saying, here, surprise, surprise, I'm not Jewish. <laughs> like, like, I'm for everyone. Like, I speak every language. There's no second-class citizens. There's no one who can't make it. Like, everyone's welcome. <laughs> and here's God speaking in a whole lot of different languages to these people in their own language, saying, you are significant the way you are. I'm not Jewish. And that could be uh, a, a reason for it. Probably it's probably all of these things. But the main thing, I think, is that God is working in a supernatural way. Something is happening here that is in impossible for people to be able to do. Uh, this has got to be God, right? Because this is, just can't happen. Some thought they were drunk, by the way, so maybe alcohol might have helped. Uh, some people thought alcohol might have helped here, but it wasn't. This was a supernatural work of God. And, what, and, and, and so the Spirit's coming means that these people are no longer bound by their own abilities or their own understandings or their own identities or their own personalities. They're, they've got more than that. The Spirit has come so that they can do supernatural things, impossible things that they couldn't do themselves, could never do themselves. That's the work of the Spirit. They're, here it is, they're speaking in different languages. And, and you find this right throughout the, the book of Acts, that, that they preached the gospel and they did miracles. Again and again, those two things are together. The miracles get the attention. And then they preach the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And again and again this happened because people had to listen because they thought, there's something going on here. This is not possible. This is God uh, at work. And so the third thing I'd say is that God's spirit brings supernatural power. And uh, many of you have seen that power. God working in miraculous ways. God doing stuff that, uh, that was, was impossible to do. Uh, one of the greatest miracles I've seen is the little girl that was just down the road here was in a uh, was riding a bicycle, uh, hit by a car, smashed her head, uh, was on life support, and and was was which was about to be switched off. And we prayed as a church, and that was a Wednesday. The Thursday, the life support was being switched off on the Friday. On the Thursday, she sat up in bed. You know, and that's something impossible. Like that's just impossible. That's just miracle that's just God at work and one of the things the spirit does is that he empowers us to do things that are beyond it might be speaking words it might be uh, it might be healing it might be uh, uh, prophetic words that that we speak for for others do you know what I mean there's a whole lot of gifts that are associated with this but whatever it is it might be just doing stuff that would be impossible for us speaking up for Jesus when we normally couldn't do that you know but but we've got a power to do it God works and the Holy Spirit enables us in, to do things that are supernatural. So today we sit here, pretty ordinary group of people, most of us, just like this group was <laughs> 2,000 years ago. Uh, but this, 
But the spirit who came on these people 2,000 years ago is work, same spirit is working in us to do the same things, to bring real life to us, to help us to enjoy and appreciate and live out the life that we have in Jesus, to bring holiness to us, to recognise that we are right and pure and clean and God's our dad and we can live in close relationship with him and to love the things that he loves. And he works to bring power, supernatural power, uh, in our lives. Those 120 couldn't do that, do you know what I mean? They just couldn't do it by themselves. Uh, they needed help and they got it and they were filled with the Spirit. important thing to understand, of course, is that, is that everyone who's a Christian has a Spirit. Uh, this is not something you've got to be prayed for, that the Spirit will come on you unless you don't belong to Jesus. <laughs> and then when you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit comes on you. So the issue for us this morning, for most of us, is not we've got to get this spirit because we've got to get the spirit to come on us because that's not the issue. If you belong to Jesus, you have a spirit. He's already trying to do these things. The issue for us is are you filled with the spirit? Like the spirit came and baptized them, filled them, <laughs> immersed them in the spirit. Are you immersed in the spirit? Like can the spirit do these things that he wants to do in your life and enliven you and purify you and and uh, make you uh, incredibly powerful <laughs> through Jesus. And that's the question for us. Not whether we have the Spirit, but whether we're filled uh, with the Spirit. Um, of course, that's not a panacea. It's a place to start. Uh, we say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Uh, do these things that you want to do in me. Help me to get out the way so that I, you know, I'm free. <laughs> to just let your spirit do the things that he loves to do in my life. What I'd like to do this morning is to give opportunity to, uh, uh, I want the team, if the team could come back, the music team, that'd be fantastic. Uh, what we're going to do is, I debated what to do, but I really think what I, I'd like to do is just pray uh, for people to be filled with the spirit. Uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song uh, now. And uh, we're going to just remain seated. We're just going to wait on God. And at the end of that song, um, I'm going to ask you, if you want prayer to be filled with the Spirit, uh, just to stand up. And we're just going to pray as a group together uh, for those that are standing. I'm not looking for everyone to stand up or anything like that, right? Uh, there's all sorts of reasons why you mightn't stand up. Uh, many of you are already filled with the Spirit. Like You don't have to pray again uh, for that to happen. Uh, some of you are not right at the, at the space. Some of you want to work things through and think these through, things through a little bit more, maybe study the Bible a little bit more. And those of you at home, it's the same for you, right? I'm looking for the same that uh, you know, I presume is sitting somewhere. <laughs> uh, so if this is for you, you'll, I'd like you to stand as well. Uh, so, so, but those who just say, you just sense this morning, this is what I want. Like, <laughs> I can't think of anything better. The reason, may I just point this out, the reason that God's Spirit filled these people was not to give them a better life. Because they got actually a pretty tough life, didn't they? Most of them, a lot of them died as martyrs. Do you know what I mean? His reason to fill them was so that they'll be a blessing and a power as they go and share the gospel. The reason God wants to fill us with His Spirit and do these things, to make us alive in Him, to help us love stuff that is right and good, be close to Him and, and to do supernatural works is not so much for our sake, although we do benefit, of course we do, but it's not for our sake. It's not to give us a great life. It's so we'll have a powerful life. 
So we'll have an influential life. So we'll make a difference for God. That's why he wants us to be filled with the Spirit. That's the difference that this makes uh, in our lives. So we're going to sing this song. we we'll just remain seated. You think and uh, spend some time with God now. And then after we've sung this song, uh, if you would like me to pray for you this morning to be filled with the Spirit, uh, it's an ongoing thing. You've got to keep praying this, of course. But you'd like this morning, you say, yeah, I just love to be filled. I love the Spirit to do these things in me. Then I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray. All right, so let's sing the song. It's uh, stepping out beyond what we're able to do. <laughs> now let's sing together and then we'll have some prayer. That's the opportunity now. Uh, if you'd like to stand up, if you'd like prayer to be filled with the Spirit, I'd just love to pray with you now. So. Anyone that would like prayer, just stand up. There's people standing up around the place. That's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, Lord, lots of beautiful hearts here. <laughs> Lord, hearts that some have served you just a little while. Some have been a long time serving you, Lord Jesus. But today we come again, Lord, and, and ask that what these disciples experience Lord Jesus 2,000 years ago will happen again and you will fill us Lord breathe on us Lord fire fall on us holiness and purity Lord languages power Lord to do things to stand for you to make a difference that we can't do come Holy Spirit may you calm now breathe Lord through your breath of your spirit Bring your life, bring freshness, bring newness. Bring, bring purity and cleanness and holiness and rightness, Lord. Bring power and vision and expectation and courage and boldness. Lord Jesus, bring these things as you gave. You promised, Lord, you promised you would not leave us alone. Truth is not enough. It needs to be enlivened by your spirit, Lord. Live in those things now. We pray, dear Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work among us. Refresh, renew, forgive, cleanse, empower. We pray in your name, Jesus.